What is up? This is the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for Tuesday, October 29th. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your favorite team every day is what we are all about. And tonight, the Bruins host the San Jose Sharks. Coming up in a little bit, we're going to be talking to Connor Ryan of the Boston Sports Journal. He uh, was gracious enough with his time, and, and we had a really great chat uh, about the Bruins' start to the season and what we can expect from the team uh, coming up uh, tonight against the Sharks and then on Saturday against the Senators. But before we get into that, let me remind you that I am your host, Ian McLaren, and this again is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things black and gold as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. Subscribe to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast uh, via Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, whatever other uh, app that you use to listen to your podcasts. And while you're doing that, please uh, download, listen, rate, review. Uh, all ratings and reviews are very much appreciated and really help to uh, get the word out about the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Coming up, uh, as I mentioned, we'll be talking to Connor Ryan, uh, and then later on we'll take a look at a couple things going on around the NHL. But first, uh, tonight, like I mentioned, the Bruins are hosting the San Jose Sharks, and it occurred to me this morning that this could be the final time that Joe Thornton uh, appears at TD Garden, barring uh, a return next year, which is very possible. Uh, considering how uh, his career has been going. And barring a um, San Jose-Boston Stanley Cup final, which uh, appears more likely on one end of things, but the Sharks are off to a rough start, and uh, maybe their best days are behind them. But I was remembering this morning that I think Joe Thornton was actually the reason why I began hockey writing back in the day. Uh, his trade from the Bruins to the Sharks precipitated a post written uh, in a basement apartment in Toronto where I was living at the time. It was called Say It Ain't Joe, and it was lamenting um, yeah, the trade to San Jose that came at a time where Joe Thornton himself was excelling. I think he had like 33 points in 24 games at the time of the trade. Uh, it was coming out of the year-long lockout. That wiped out the 04-05 season. Uh, prior to that, Thornton uh, struggled in the playoffs, if you might remember, in 2004, although it was later revealed that he was playing with a broken rib at the time. Uh, he actually re-signed with the Bruins as a restricted free agent two days before my wedding day. I remember I was driving to uh, into Toronto for a Blue Jays game as part of my bachelor party. I heard the news on the radio as Twitter wasn't a thing at that time. And uh, I was just ecstatic that he was was coming back. Um, and then, as we all know, a few months later, he was traded uh, to San Jose uh, for just a pitiful return. I know I have personally complained about the Tyler Sagan trade quite a bit, uh, but in my mind, the, the Joe Thornton one is, is much more egregious in terms of where Thornton was in his career at the time. Uh, his kind of upward trajectory... We all remember that he went on to win the Hart Trophy that year uh, with the Sharks. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just 
Really unfortunate. He was my favorite player for sure at the time. He remains my favorite non-Bruin, um, and it's always great to see him in action. Um, I guess I should add that, you know, that trade kind of set the table for uh, the Bruins to sign Zdeno Chara and Mark Savard a couple years later, or I guess, sorry, no, yeah, that next summer uh, in 2006. Um, the trade happened in late 2005, and then in July 1st, 2006, the Bruins signed Savard and Chara uh, together, which uh, kind of ushered in this wave of success. Uh, not initially, of course. It took a couple years, or a few years, really. Uh, but um, those two moves, especially Chara, uh, ushered in this wave of success that we've been riding uh, for the last decade or so. So uh, the silver lining there, but um, I will always... Uh, lament the fact that Thornton didn't play his whole career in Boston, which which I had hoped that he would do upon being drafted first overall back in 90, 1997. But uh, here we are, uh, you know, what, 14 years later, Thornton has gone on to uh, put together a Hall of Fame career. Uh, he hasn't won a Stanley Cup, uh, unfortunately, but um, he's one of the great players of this generation for sure and uh it'll be cool to see him stroll around the garden ice for at least one more time tonight um just in uh, other news before we get to my chat with connor uh, brad marchand he was named the first star of the week yesterday by the nhl uh, he's he was tied for the league lead in scoring with three goals and five assists and eight for eight points uh over that stretch uh, and he, like I mentioned yesterday, he's, uh, sits second in terms of points per game only to David Pasternak. They both, uh, lead the league in the, that category, um, as of today, Tuesday. The other big news, uh, the NHL yesterday was Vladimir Tarasenko. He of course did not play in the game Saturday against the Bruins, uh, and it's now been revealed that he sustained a shoulder injury, I believe, and he'll be out for around five months. So that puts a big dent in St. Louis's um, Stanley Cup defense, which oh, you really hate to see it. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation I had with Connor Ryan. Again, he writes at the Boston Sports Journal, a very uh, insightful, knowledgeable uh, hockey guy. And uh, it was great to chat with him. Then later on, we'll, we'll just take a quick look around the NHL before uh, we sign off and uh, look forward to tonight's game against the Sharks. I'm joined now by Connor Ryan from the Boston Sports Journal. He, he covers the Bruins on a daily basis, and uh, his stuff is, uh, is really great and informative. So do check it out if you have not yet done all that already. Uh, thanks for taking some time to chat today, Connor. How are you doing? Doing pretty well, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It, uh, it was a very good weekend of, of Boston Bruins hockey, that's for sure. And uh, I said on the podcast yesterday, I don't think I could have imagined a better start to the season for the Bruins. Um, just, you know, record-wise, obviously there's some things that we can talk about a bit deeper. But uh, what have your impressions been of, of the 2019-20 Bruins uh, through, what, I guess, uh, 11 games now? 
Yeah, I've uh, obviously been pretty impressed with just the, the stats that they've had. And they really haven't talked too much or, or they haven't really been dreading, you know, the, all the talk of a, a Stanley Cup uh, hangover or anything like that. Um, they were pretty confident they were able to hit the ground running, which when you look at kind of their schedule to open the year where, I mean, they start on a full game road trip. You got play, you know, Vegas, uh, you know, Colorado. You got, you know, two games against t- Toronto, Tampa. There's a, oh, there was yeah. a good chance that they were really going to um, – you know, kind of fall behind or at least, you know, start 500, which like they've done in the past. You've seen quite a few years where, you know, they're four and four or, you know, the last few years you've seen rats kind of get off to a slow start. But this year it's, uh-huh. it's been, you know, very much the opposite where they've really kind of gone off to a hot, hot start. And that's not to say that this team is kind of anywhere close to the potential. Obviously we, you know, it's kind of the same team yeah. we're kind of become accustomed to over the last couple of years where obviously the top line is, playing at a you know ridiculous pace right now and really kind of keeping the whole team afloat. Um, but I think you're slowly starting to see more guys kind of getting settled into roles now, obviously with David Krejci being out, that caused such a, you know, a, a drastic kind of domino effect in terms of, you know, Charlie Coyle mm-hmm. is kind of settling into that role a little bit, but, you know, he's obviously kind of best as their third line center, especially when they have kind of the guys around him that can kind of benefit his game a little bit more. So, but, I mean, you're seeing now, obviously, DeBrus started very, very slow, and he's starting to heat up a little bit now. Um, you know, you're seeing, obviously, Andres Bjork has been called up, and he's looked pretty good in the first couple of games back up here now, so hopefully he can build uh-huh. off of that. Um, and then you look at kind of elsewhere, you know, the, the defense, where I think the expectations going into the year was, you know, for as much as, you know, the Bruins had this great run last year, I my kind of, you know, thought going into the year was that this team is going to be better than they were last year, just in terms of there's so many young, promising guys in that blue line who are coming off with, you know, two plus months of uh, playoff experience, obviously guys who Cassidy's going to, you know, trust with heavy minutes this year. And so far they've done a good job in terms of, you know, kind of building off of last year's play and doing a good job of, you know, clearing some of that ice in front of Tukarask and Yaroslav Block, who both obviously have been fantastic to start the year. So I think if you're Bruce Cassidy and his staff, Obviously, you can't be kind of complacent with, you know, there's still quite a few, you know, things to work out, especially in terms of that secondary scoring department. But I think mm-hmm. as a whole, you have to be happy. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about an 8-1, <laughs> yeah. especially against some of those teams they played against so far. For sure. I think, um, like you mentioned, Krejci not having – he's only played like one or two games so far. It's It sounds like he might be back in the lineup uh, against the Sharks. Um, I'm assuming he'll obviously take back his, his kind of second line center position with probably DeBrusque on the left and Brett Ritchie on the right. And I, with Bjork coming up, I think, yeah, with Krejci back in the lineup, I think people will start to feel a bit more comfortable, like you said, in the roles. Coyle can kind of settle in in the, the third line center role with, with Heinen and Bjork. That's a line that um, I kind of mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I'd like to see, and it looks like looks like it's going to happen as early as tomorrow night. And um, my theory, though, is that uh, if you look at the underlying numbers, that, like the Bruins have been, especially at 5-on-5, five five, kind of propped up pretty pretty good by the by the goaltending of Rask and Halak. I, I wouldn't think that they're going to sustain their kind of almost perfect save percentages throughout the season. But I think once and when they do regress – the secondary scoring um, should prop this team up a bit and kind of balance that out. Do you think that's that's accurate? Do you see that happening a bit? 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, yeah, it's one of those situations where if it's, you know, we're looking at December, January, kind of the dog days of the season, and you still have, you know, Rask and Halak, you know, still for like, you know, 930, 940k yeah. percentage. And something's very odd and very like miraculous is happening for the Bruins. But yeah. obviously, you have to expect those numbers to kind of go back down to earth. But you have to hope by that point, you know, and I think you're starting to see it a little bit now just in terms of guys like even Coyle getting more comfortable. But mm-hmm. I think it, it's kind of been the, the case with this Bruins and the way the roster's kind of been constructed over the last couple of years where how, you know, crucial a guy like Krejci is in terms of just, you know, setting that kind of domino effect for the rest of the lineup. So when he's back in the lineup and hopefully he can kind of hit the ground running and not have a situation where he's got a couple of nagging injuries that obviously really kind of hamper his production. But if he can kind of swap back in there, then all of a sudden you, you know, all the pieces start falling a little bit more into place where, all right, you know, you can put Coyle back down on the third line, keep him with, with Heinen and Bjork, which I mean, that line, you know, you have to put a little bit into perspective because I mean that that line was like dominating against like an AHL team with Chicago right. during the season, <laughs> yeah. but still man like they, they still look dynamite like in terms of how they all kind of complement each other's games um so right. that's a line you imagine Cassidy can kind of put in there and for a line that's kind of had so much upheaval and you know uncertainty over the last couple of years that's a line that you know Cassidy could just pencil in for you know the next you know 70 plus games and not have to worry about it if they're able to kind of match yeah. you know, the major injuries so I think if if sure. can kind of you know handle that handle that spot, um, you know get back to you know the way he was playing, obviously that we've seen from him over the last couple of years. I mean it does so much more to help out that secondary scoring, which is already starting to turn a little bit of the corner now. But I mean Great. if he can just even be you know three quarters of what he was last year, it it all kind of evens out for the rest of that lineup for sure. What's uh speaking of Krejci's line? What what's been your take on uh Brett Ritchie so far? And uh, like coming into the season, I foresaw that that second line with right wing position was going to be going to be a problem again, and it would be something that Don Sweeney would probably be looking to uh, address prior to the trade deadline, as he has in the last couple of years, finding that top six winger to to fit in there. Do you think? Uh, Brett Ritchie can hang with that line or is he kind of destined just to be a, a bit of a filler until they can upgrade at that position? Yeah, I'm, you know, I was one of the ones where they signed him. I was like, you know, intrigued, you know, I mean, they've done yeah. their best job at trying to, you know, selling of, you know, Don Tweeney has mentioned multiple times how, you know, he's a guy who scored 16 goals, you know, two years back when he was like playing, you know, he had quite a few reps with like Ben and Sagan. Like, we've heard that plenty of times and, I've been pretty underwhelmed with what kind of we've seen from him so far in that spot. Um, granted, I think over the maybe the last you know three four games he's been a little bit better. Like obviously he's been playing a bit more of what you'd expect from a guy like him. Like it, it feels like for the first two weeks of the season for a guy who kind of you know you know what the the you know his bread and butter of his game is where he's a big power forward, a guy who you imagine if he gets you know top six minutes just you know hang down low in those great right. areas, you know, get ready for, you know, rebound, tip, stuff like that. I feel like for the first two weeks of the year, like, you'd either see him, like, kind of hovering above, like, the blue line or, like, he'd be, like, along the half wall. Like, you, it's like you like you kind of lose track of where he'd be whenever he's out on the shift. I think over the last <laughs> yeah. couple of games, like, he's done a little bit of a better job at, you know, kind of crashing the net and at least, like, creating some traffic, like, at least, you know, doing what he can to start, you know, generating some scoring chances. So, um, he's been a little bit better. Like, uh, you know, they were good, um, you know, in you know, both in Toronto and against Toronto here kind of, you know, took a little bit of a downturn against St. Louis, but they looked pretty good against the Rangers, which to be fair, I think any, 
uh, guy, you know, with, with the puck <laughs> and stick looks good against the Rangers now because yeah. like, holy crap, that, that team is bad. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think he's getting like a little bit better and maybe he's more settled into the, like the role they have for him. But I'm still, you know, I think if you go into the playoffs and you've got so many pieces, most likely they're going to be working with that top line. Ideally, you know, Coyle, Bjorkine, you know, look good. Tracy and DeBrusco, a lot of chemistry. I still am skeptical if you think, you know, rolling Brett Ritchie as a top six forward into the playoffs. Like, uh, I really don't know how, you know, how much you can rely yeah. on a guy like him to be this, you know, this guy who you can trust for, I don't know, five, six goals during a playoff run. Like, maybe one thing if you yeah. just, you know, doing, you know, pulling like a, a James Neal and at least like, you know, James Neal at least knows what to do when he's with like playmaker like <laughs> David. Like, just stay down low, deflect yeah. everything, like, you know, punch your way to the front of the crease and just, you know, you know, knock in some of those rebounds. Like, you don't really see yeah. that from Richie yet so far. So, who knows, maybe, like, he gets more settled in, learns how to, you know, play the guy like Krejci, like, to hold on to the puck, and it kind of works out. But I think we're going to run into the same situation again where, yeah, barring, you know, Cassidy really kind of switches some things up, I think you're going to have the same situation where it's going to be February and get ready for the Chris Kreider rumors. And, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, it, it's going to be stuff like that all over again. Like, maybe, maybe yeah. you know, Cassidy just switches up the lineups enough, but I think that's kind of what we're heading for again. I've been thinking a lot since yesterday with uh, Bobby Ryan getting scratched by the Senators and if that could be a fit somehow, but I think uh, the Senators would have to retain a chunk of salary there to even make it worthwhile. I don't, right. even, I don't even, I don't even know if they'd want to dump that, that cap hit either because as a, as high as it is, they, they need somebody to, to help get them to the floor at even to stay right. Stay at that level, so I don't know if that that's a possibility as well. But uh, I think it'll be something that, yeah, we'll we'll be talking about until the trade deadline for sure. Is what what's going to happen with that uh, with that right wing spot? I think this week is pretty pretty light week for the Bruins. I think there's only two games uh, between now and Saturday: the Sharks and the Senators. That those two teams played uh, was it yesterday? Yeah, and and Ottawa actually. Uh, beat the Sharks so it seems pretty um, conceivable in my mind that the the Bruins could be 10-1-2 by by Sunday do you think that's uh that's pretty fair to say yeah absolutely and I think you know the schedule's been pretty weird I mean you've had it's kind of a a repeat of what this past week was where it's you know they play on Tuesday and they have three whole days off and play again on on the weekend and uh, I think for right now I think you know you look at some of the veterans in the room they enjoy just kind of having the you know, every other day playing a game, just kind of keep this hot streak going. But I think when you look at the amount of injuries that are starting to pile up for this team, I think Cassidy and his staff will take as many off days as they can because, you know, you look at Carl Lindholm left uh, the game against the Rangers early. Uh, Nordstrom's kind of a up-in-the-air situation. And Cassidy's right. dealing with a infection issue, which is obviously never good. Like, that's going to be something that could keep you out for mm-hmm. four days and keep you out for, like, a couple of weeks or, or even longer than that. So we'll see how that kind of situation plays out Wagner didn't play obviously so um they're missing quite a few of those kind of bottom six guys that you know are are pretty valuable um you know day in day out so hopefully this kind of extended break helps them out but uh as you said though I mean they you look at the way they're playing right now and the shocks you know they've you kind of know what their strengths and weaknesses usually are I mean you know Martin Jones and that defense is in rough shape but the shocks this year also really aren't scoring either I think they're like 24 25th in like goals per game as well um that's kind of been the thing that's really dropped off for them so 
I think you'll get, even if the Bruins, you know, offense is still obviously top heavy, um, you know, it w- would have, you know, surprised you if that first line went off again against the Shaq's team. Like, it, you know, based on what they did to the Rangers, you know, I could see that very much happening once again to the Shaq. And then look at Ottawa, got a, you know, interesting kind of small, you know, promising young core, but it's still, man, they are a ways away from yeah. you know, sniffing, you know, competition. So I think it's they did know, beat Tampa earlier this season, at least. But, they did. Uh, <laughs> They That's did. Kind of I, had an like, I had to do like power rankings for like the, the first week of the year, and I had like Ottawa dead last, and I published yeah. it. And then like that night, they beat Tampa, and I was like, uh, "Oh, this is yeah. I'm like never doing them again until the end of the year." But I did power rankings uh, for the Atlantic Division on Monday, and I put Detroit below them uh, right yeah. now because yeah, they got like the eight game losing streak right. going on, and they're a mess as well. But I, Ottawa might have some competition for the for the uh, top lottery pick, I guess, but. Um, Absolutely. That, that's why yeah. you should never do power ranking. You should do like start <laughs> yeah. of the year, midway point during like the all-star break and the end of the yeah. year. Cause if not, you're going to be kicking yourself as soon as you publish it. But Same with predictions. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's a complete crapshoot, especially in this sport, like no way. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, I, I could see definitely though the Bruins, you know, getting on a, you know, 10, 10, one and two stat, like, Look at the, the the you know the days off they have plus the competition they're going up against and how they can kind of exploit those two teams they're matching up against and I mean it, you have to be feeling pretty good if you're the Bruins going into the month of November for sure yeah for sure now uh, just to wrap up I know that you are a, a big stats guy I've, I've read a couple of your pieces with uh, like long looks at uh, some interesting stats is there anything in particular that that stands out to you right now either just kind of uh, face value stats or, or any of the underlying numbers that, that we should be looking out for with, with this Bruins team? Yeah, I think, uh, I feel like I'm one of many who are just like doing, you know, jumping on the Andrews Dwork train. So please forgive me if I'm joining <laughs> no the chorus, but I'm sure. Yeah. But um, I think when you look at especially, you know, their struggles in terms of, you know, five on five scoring and especially yeah. away from that top line. Um, I think a big key is, you know, their failure to generate kind of quality, high danger shots. And, uh, I think, you know, last time I checked, I think they were like 24 in the league in terms of like high danger shots for 60 okay. minutes, which um, obviously means they're just not getting those kind of quality looks, they're not kind of possessing the puck down low, which even you'd imagine, a you know, a line like the Crowley line would be able to at least do that kind of consistently just in the way they're able to forecheck and kind of cycle the puck along, but that really hasn't manifested so far for them. Um, but I think when you look at Bjork and kind of the stock he's had and why you should be encouraged is he's only played uh, like, 28 minutes of five and five time on ice and during that stretch the Bruins have a six to one edge in terms of high danger scoring chances which oh, wow. is pretty sizable there's like there's some teams there's some players who I think you know Krejci's played I think maybe three four games and I think he's only generated like one like with his line in total like oh, wow. I, you know you can probably put more of that on injuries and like the slow start all that stuff but Sure. For, you know, how Bjork has been kind of deployed so far whether it be you know on that fourth line to start or with a line in with, you know, Par Lindholm and Dan Heinen, which intriguing, but not a line that I think when, you know, Cassidy puts together his depth chart is a line that he, you know, puts out there thinking that it's going to be an impactful, you know, offense-driven line. Um, so I think you have to be encouraged with the staff that Bjork has kind of had in terms of generating those looks on lines that really aren't, you know, expected to be, you know, offensive driving kind of uh, trios. Um, right. And I think it's, and I think especially once, Fishy comes back, and what you'd imagine will happen is, you know, when you, Bjork goes down with Corey Lennheinen, 
and see how, you know, Bjork's strong stack can kind of be even more utilized with a guy in coil who, I mean, when he's going in the ozone, he's kind of flying keep away and stiff-arming, you know, other guys. He can really open up the ice and, like, lead to a lot of quality chances. So I'm really interested to see how that line looks when, ideally, it gets kind of put together, uh, hopefully, as early as Tuesday for the Bruins. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see those guys get some extended uh, looks together. I think it can be a really dynamic uh, third line. And it's also been nice to see kind of Cassidy noting Bjork's kind of maturity also in his own zone. Obviously, there's still some work to do there, but he's not been, you know, uh, a liability defensively by any means. And if he loses the puck, he he's quick to, to chase it back and, and uh, chase down the opposition. So I, I really think he's, he's here to stay and uh, it looks like he's going to make uh, a, a decent impact uh, on the roster this season, which is really cool to see. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for for taking some time to chat today. This has been really really insightful, and and I hope we can do it again uh, as the season continues. Where can where can people find you on uh, Twitter, and where and where can they read your your Bruins coverage? Yeah, you can uh, read all my Bruins coverage. We have stuff up pretty much every day, even on uh, off days, which uh, would be pretty useful during, you know, this kind of week especially. But uh, you can read all my stuff on bostonsportsjournal.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at Connor Ryan underscore 93. That's uh, Connor just one N. Um, and I have updates, gifs, terrible jokes, all the stuff you should expect from Twitter <laughs> these days uh, on a regular basis. Uh, you can find me on there. So uh, be sure to give me a follow. Wicked. All right. Well, thanks so much for taking some time and, and we'll, we'll chat again soon. Thanks so much, man. Absolutely, Absolutely man. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Connor for taking some time to chat. And again, uh, I hope to have him back on the show uh, several more times this season. Really insightful guy. And it was a great chat there. Uh, to finish off the show as we do every day, let's take a quick look around the NHL. Last night, two uh, Atlantic Division rivals were in action. The Buffalo Sabres fell to the Arizona Coyotes in uh, Overtime, opening the door for the Bruins to uh, tie them in points were they to win tonight against the Sharks. Like we mentioned yesterday, they're already ahead in terms of point percentage, um, having played two fewer games uh, right now. So Sabres 9-2-2, 20 points. Bruins 8-1-2 for 18 points uh, in 11 games versus 13 games for the Panthers. So they can... Uh, tie them in points tonight with a win and move into first place uh, in the standings, which is great to see. Uh, the Florida Panthers, they were smoked last night by the um, Vancouver Canucks in Vancouver, 7-2. to Sam Montembo, he was pulled after giving up three goals and nine shots in the first. Bobrovsky came in, allowed two goals on six shots. And Montumbo came back in for, I have no idea if I'm saying that right, but here we are. Uh, he came back in for the second period. So, you know, I talked yesterday about Panthers goaltending being key to uh, a turnaround for them to start the season. They still are in third place in the Atlantic uh, with 14 points. Although um, Toronto is right there tied with them, Tampa and Montreal and yeah, Tampa and Montreal only two points back. Um, so the goaltending did not come through for them last night. Um, so that remains uh, a point of concern for the Panthers, who otherwise uh, seem to be in good position based on their underlying numbers. So hopefully that 
huge investment that they made in Bobrovsky starts to pay off sometime soon, or else uh, they might soon regret that uh, signing. There was a trade also uh, with the Eastern Conference or Atlantic Division team yesterday. The uh, Chicago Blackhawks traded forward Brandon Perlini to the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for prospect defenseman Alec Regula. Uh, Perlini had requested a trade, and he could uh, very well help the Red Wings get their offensive gear. They're in the midst of an eight-game losing streak. Um, so looking for a little added scoring there as Steve Eiserman continues to make his mark on the team. Um, it's a busy night in the NHL tonight. Uh, some other uh, Atlantic Division teams are in action. The Maple Leafs host the Capitals. That should be a spirited affair. Uh, the Lightning are in uh, New York to take on the Rangers. Uh, so that should be a win for the Lightning there. And then the Red Wings are in action at home against the Edmonton Oilers. So um, looking to break that winning streak. Or sorry, break that losing streak. And uh, we'll see if they're able to do that against uh, an Oilers team that had gotten off to a hot start. They've been struggling a little bit lately. But um, yeah, we'll see if uh, they're able to get back to their winning ways against the uh, Red Wings tonight. Uh, in other news, I mentioned uh, Bobby Ryan getting healthy scratched. Uh, Bruce Garriock of the Ottawa Sun, he mentioned recently that there probably isn't much of a market for the 32-year-old winger who carries a $7.25 million cap hit. Uh, Haley Salvian of The Athletics, she added that she probably feels it would take uh, adding a first-round pick to make him palatable on the trade market, kind of like what... Uh, the Maple Leafs had to do with Patrick Marlowe and the Hurricanes uh, back in the offseason. Um, Senators would probably have to retain some salary as well, so it looks like they're probably stuck with him for the time being, which I'm sure E.G. Melnick doesn't care that much because gets him to the cap floor and also keeps the team down in the standings. So kind of a win-win from a loss <laughs> perspective for the, uh, for the Senators. Um, otherwise, yeah, not too much else going on. Like I mentioned, there was only the two games last night. Uh, several more on tap tonight, including, of course, our Boston Bruins facing off against the San Jose Sharks. If you missed it yesterday, be sure to check out the Bruins' social accounts. Uh, several members of the team visited a local children's hospital, and um, they were dressed up as uh, Toy Story characters, uh, Patrice Bergeron, dressed up as Buzz Lightyear, and uh, I saw on Twitter that he remained in costume heading home as one of his kids, his favorite character is Buzz Lightyear, so that was really cool to see. Uh, so be sure to check out Instagram, the Twitter feed for the Bruins, uh, some great shots of that, uh, and a great thing that they do every year um, for the kids. That's been the show for today. Again, we are the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, and we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, please follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Follow me at Ian C. McLaren, and be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, and please rate and review. Uh, it goes a long way, like I mentioned earlier, towards uh, helping the podcast gain some traction and uh, getting it out there to fellow Bruins fans. So yeah, go Bruins tonight, and we'll check back tomorrow with uh, a look back at how they performed against the Sharks and uh, look ahead to 
the rest of the week where they have a few days off before a game Saturday against the Ottawa Senators. Hope you all have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.